Now, which way to the welfare office? What? I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I work, I work. We're fundamentally defined in this show as part of the service class. Like, all these people work at convenience stores. Yeah, imagine if you get to India and there was like the biggest convenience store there, because they all work in convenience stores. I mean, some of the stuff, I just try to imagine the white writer's room and them saying the joke and then everybody laughing. I think we should listen to Lisa Simpson, who last week addressed the controversy around Apu, an Indian character who runs a convenience store, because we all know there's no such thing. Lisa said, something that started decades ago and was applauded and inoffensive is now politically incorrect. What can you do? Exactly, what can you do? Laborless, all degenerates for not already being who we would eventually become? Hey, hey, you're Apu Nahasapima Petalon, aren't you? I mean, you're the... God, you're, you're like the guy. You're a legend around here. Can I ask you, is it true you once worked 96 hours straight? Oh, yes. It was horrible, I tell you. I am shocked and appalled. Now I'm mad. Fake, 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 fake. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. And note to self, don't die. Welcome in, everybody, to the supposedly for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast, the weekly dose for April 26, 2018. This damn month has gotten up and running off without me. I actually didn't really run off. I've been running along with it. It's been a great month. I love April, and I love June, and the rest of the year, eh, it just depends on what's going on. So a lot going on. I try to stay plenty, plenty busy in the spring and into the early summer, and then I kind of shut it down. The dog days of summer come to me awfully quick. I'll take summer all day over winter, every single day, and I won't be the guy that bitches in the middle of the depths of winter and then also bitches in the middle of the depths of summer. Now, I might complain a little bit because that's kind of what I do. I complain occasionally. We all do. It's not just me. But I'll take summer all day long over a winter. But I try to get as much in in the spring and into the early summer as I can. And so it's been a very busy month. Uh, I've been out of town. I've been doing things on the weekends. There's been a lot of big stories, both personally and locally and nationally. And I haven't gotten to nearly any of them as, uh, you know, only doing this once a week. It's kind of difficult to touch on everything. You know, I, I just kind of cherry pick to get a 45-minute to 60-minute show once a week, which is already kind of exhausting in itself. When you're a one-man show, I know sometimes people think, like, how long does it take to do you know, the show? It can't be that long. Well, when you do it all and you are very, very prideful of your work, it takes a long time. And I don't mean that to sound like I'm boasting about myself, but I listen to a lot of podcasts, even ones that are national, and they just really don't have that really sharp sound very often i mean i come from an audio engineering profession you know i've spent my entire adult life 
you know, trying to perfect the art of audio collection and collaboration and uh, and engineering it all together. And I hear a lot of podcasts to me that just frankly, they're just they're just I don't want to call them boring, but when they lack a bold and sharp and refined kind of sound, you know, to me, it just falls a little flat, even if you got great information. So I really I put too much effort in trying to sound really good. And again, I'm just talking about the presentation. It's stuff that most people listen to this aren't thinking about. I, I get that. This is geekdom kind of stuff. So it does take me a while to put all this together. And uh, it's it's beginning to become a little bit of an issue with Tuesday nights now at the feed, which I'm beginning to enjoy. I've been kind of talking about how it's been almost a chore. It's actually been a lot of fun, uh, trivia at the feed every Tuesday night at 8. But between that and then the summertime where the beer industry picks up, life is uh, very busy again. But the flip side of that is life is very profitable again. So I'm not complaining. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. So let's see. On the show today, just a three-segment show. Uh, I'm going to bounce around for a few things here in the first segment. In the second segment of the show, I had a fascinating conversation with somebody who I already knew was a fascinating human being and somebody who I was already considering one of my better friends of the last, not like best friends on earth kind of thing, but one of my better friends of the last few years and somebody I really enjoy having conversations with, but was totally blown away when I spent an entire afternoon and into the evening with him just one-on-one. And I'll get into more of that in the second segment. But We went to the Atlanta United game at the new stadium, Mercedes-Benz Stadium down in Atlanta, which I'm going to kind of just kind of touch on the game and the stadium experience itself, and I'll leave the conversation I had with him into the second segment of the show. All I'll say is to that, for like the early tease here into the very beginning of the show is, maybe I'm a Seventh-day Adventist after all. (laughs) Maybe if I was going to be in a religious affiliation, I would potentially be an SDA. I mean, I need if I had my soundboard here where I could hit my 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 hotkeys, I have a shocker button like, oh, what? <laughs> we'll get into that in the second segment of the show. In the final segment of the show, bouncing off, piggybacking off the uh, the front end, the uh, the open there with the uh, Hank Azaria stuff, Simpsons, Apu, and the what I believe is a continued what we just can't get away from in this day and age right now of fake outrage. And uh, we'll get into that some and some articles I pulled that have quotes from psychologists and psychiatrists and the way human behavior all the way around is. Why do we get angry? Why are we so damn mad? And how do we decipher the difference between things that are really real angry issues, things we should be concerned with, and things that just really don't mean anything? How do we decipher those two things? Get into that in the final segment of the show. So just to bounce around here for a few minutes, I will go back to that game at the Atlanta United against one of the New York teams. I was so impressed with everything about it. Um, Soccer is for real. People love this stuff. Uh, I'll also talk about the CFC this past week when they played Detroit um, in a, I guess it was just a friendly. I'm still trying to figure the sport out in a lot of ways. It's not regular season yet. I'm still trying to figure out some of the rules on the field. I mean, I get it. Go back and forth, kick in the net, right? Well, it's more complicated than that. It's certainly much more complicated than that. But so we'll start with Atlanta United and Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That place is the real freaking deal, guys. If you want to go somewhere that like you've never been before, you need to go there. Now, I don't want to go to a Falcons game because I hate the Falcons. 
So this is a perfect situation for me to go down there and not have to go to a Falcons game. And I bet you in 20 years, in 20 years, maybe even 10, but certainly 20 and 30 years from now, of course, stadiums in Atlanta don't last longer than 20 or 30 years based on past experiences here. But in 20 or 30 years, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium where the Falcons play and the Atlanta United play is going to be a run-of-the-mill building. It is just going to be another stadium just like all the rest of them. But as of right now, in 2018, it's like nothing you've ever seen. It is incredible. And it has what shocked me. And I had heard this before, but I didn't spend much time thinking about it or caring about it. Incredibly cheap concession prices. Now, we are in an odd time when $7 beers get you all excited. You know, and a $4 Coke and a $3 hot dog gets you all excited. But that's where they're at. And they said that's what they were going to do. The same beer that I buy in Nashville at a Titans game as a season ticket holder and give that damn organization thousands of dollars a year, that same beer that cost me $10 in Nashville cost me $7 in Atlanta. And while they'll go up in prices over the next couple of years and they'll get back up to, to industry standard level, it's a great way to start off a new stadium that you're spending a ton of tax dollars on and it is a great way to get people feeling good about themselves. I mean, speaking of psychiatrists and human behavior and anger and, and excitement and joy and happiness and sadness, make somebody feel good and they remember that. Make somebody feel mad as hell and they'll often remember that as well. And every time I buy a $10 beer in Nashville, I get pissed off. And every time I buy a $7 beer in Atlanta, I get happy. And I don't, for, I don't forget those two feelings. Now, I don't go overreaction on either one of them, but I don't forget. Know your market, know your marketplace, and know your patrons, and understand that a $7 beer is still a lot of money on the markup. As, and, and again, coming from a guy who knows the industry, I know how much this stuff costs. I know how much this stuff it costs to make it. I know how much it costs to ship it. I know how much it costs to distributors. I know how much it costs wholesale. I know all those prices. is still an incredible, like, 400% markup. $10 is like a 700% markup. I'm making up numbers here, but it's somewhere in that ballpark. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, just, I don't know, I would just ask anybody throwing an event, don't outprice your market. Eventually, they might stop coming. So Atlanta United sold out, huge game, fan participation. It was so much fun. So this past week, I go to CFC, very nice crowd, on a record store day, which I'll get into the weekend of 420 record store day and Earth Day here in just a second as well. So I go to CFC, big crowd, gorgeous night, two or three, four good friends that we normally get together, didn't do any tailgate and didn't have any hooligan friends uh, around, a lot of people were out of town, but still lots of general, uh, big, uh, pretty good size crowd. And I look over to my left as the place starts to thin out a little bit towards the end. And who do I got right there? Good old Brian Joyce. Our buddy, Brian Joyce. And I was a little bit not sober. And I didn't want to start anything because that's not my nature. But I wanted him to see that I was there. I think he did. He made it a point to never look my way. I kept looking over there. I just wanted to lock eyes and then walk away. That never happened to my knowledge. So leave there as always I break my rule I'm leaving as soon as the game's over 
And we have it over to the Bitter Alibi and Barley's over on MLK. And I don't remember exactly where else, but we drop into Bitter. It's my last stop. And I grab a gin and tonic. And I know half the people that work there. And it's kind of our regular spot amongst uh, me and Brad and all the people from Hits 96 and all the people that I talked about in last week's podcast. And I look over to my left and boom, there's Leslie Dale. (laughs) And I'm like, are you kidding me? Right after I blow those two jackholes up, I run into both of them in separate situations within an hour and a half of of each other. Uh, Doesn't mean anything. Just thought it was uh, worth note. I, I was I was beginning to get worked up because now I was totally not sober. And uh, Brad girl, uh, Bradley, behind the bar, she was like, don't you dare go over there and say anything. Because I had this little kind of conniving idea of she was talking to a table of people I knew and just walk over and be like, hey, uh, so-and-so and so-and-so, nice to see you again. Oh, and thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you. you guys, I'm so happy that uh, you guys are supporters. Uh, and I love you to death. See you later which I don't know that they listen. That would have been something I completely made up. But I had this whole thing I wanted to do. Had I wouldn't have even considered doing had I not been drinking all day. Luckily, none of those things happened. Nothing dumb happened. It's all good. No issues there. So as I continue down my checklist, so Record Store Day, Earth Day, and 420 are always one of my favorite portions of April. As I mentioned, April, my favorite month all the way around. Earth Day, just because I'm not a hippy-dippy type. I'm not an environmentalist type. I've never hugged a tree, never will. Just take care of the, the environment. Just clean up after yourself. Don't be a slob. Like, why, why is that difficult? Why does that have political ideology behind it? The more you pollute, the worse it is for the environment. There's nothing to discuss here. There's no debate. You know, if the climate change and, and if the, the effects on the climate based on how we pollute it is very much a real thing that is not open for debate there is no discussion here or even we can have a conversation but if you try to say that that's not true you're wrong ecosystems can be completely disrupted by toxic contaminants it's not it's basic science just get a fishbowl and then dump some coca-cola in it or something or some some uh you know some Tilex cleaner in it and see how it disrupts and screws up the damn ecosystem. It's true. It's real. So this idea that is is, uh, climate change uh, man-made, of course it is. Who else is doing it? But then the debate is what do we do about it? Well, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Certain levels if you want to live in a civilized, modernized world. So, yeah, we're going to pollute. Let's just try to pollute as little as we can. And can we just kind of leave it at that? And it's not global warming. This is one thing I'll take away from Jeff and talk radio all the time. He's so right. Global warming is such a fake terminology. It's climate change and climate shifts and adjustments. It's not, oh, man, it's warm out. It's hot. Global warming. That's not how it goes. Numb nuts. And that's another conversation for another day. But so I like Earth Day because I like to just give some attention and some awareness to the fact that it's just good to take care of your environment, no matter if that's your bedroom or your kitchen or your backyard. Clean up after yourselves, all right? That's not that hard to understand. Uh, 420 day is always fun because it's just fun for all the stupid jokes. And I think, finally, nobody cares about smoking pot. Everybody smokes pot or knows somebody who does or wishes that they could. Like me, who gets drug tested at work, who so who doesn't um, because of the drug test thing. 
Everybody smokes pot. Nobody cares about it anymore. It's so dumb to walk around and have arguments. Oh, we shouldn't. Uh, this is dumb. We shouldn't allow pot. You're stop it. Such a go. Your grandmother called. She wants you to go hang out and knit with her. Stop. That's happening before you know it. It's ha- it's happening rapidly, and that's a great thing. And a record store day. I uh, love uh, listening to records. I don't do it all the time, but I certainly do love it. And I love to go buy records. And we went out to For the Record, a handful of us, um, after Bugapalooza last Saturday out in, uh, of all places, Northgate Mall. This is a very, very cool throwback record store. I highly suggest it to anybody. And let's see, as I go down my list, we'll check off, check off, check off. Um, I have this article. It's over here. I'll grab it real quick. I'm going to save it for another day. It's from the Atlantic. Craft beer is the strangest, happiest economic story uh, in America. And again, I'm going to set that back on the to-do later uh, shelf over here behind me of the palatial studios of the Stone on Air podcast, which is just basically the corner of my house. I'm going to get into that because it is a fascinating story how big of an industry it has become and who actually owns all of it. You might be surprised about a lot of that. Maybe I'll get into that next week. But I just want to declare, and I've said it out loud, and I've said it on Alt 98.7 on the radio the other day. I'm done with craft beer. I'm done with it. I don't like this stuff. I'm tired of pretending. I'm done drinking this crap. I'm not doing it anymore. Every now and again, I might have an IPA with something to eat if I'm having a decent meal in a, in a nice, a nicer to middle, middle upscale kind of place. But I'm not, I'm not going to the market. I'm not going to a festival. I'm not going to any kind of outdoor activity and drinking this crap anymore because it's overpriced. There's too much alcohol in it, and the stuff sucks. It's that simple. It's gross. I'm not drinking it. You go ahead and drink it all you want. I think the scene's cool. I think the economic impact is great. I think that uh, creating quality anything, art, food, drink, uh, architecture, whatever, insert this here, crafts are fun. Good for you. I'm not drinking anymore. I'm not pretending that I like it anymore. And it wasn't that I totally pretended. I, I was a microbrew guy 15, 16 years ago before anybody knew or whatever heard of a craft beer. I've just grown out of it. I'm done. If I'm going to have a high-end alcohol drink with a lot of, meaning with high-end meaning with lots of alcohol in it, it's going to be whiskey, vodka, or gin, and uh, light beer. That's it. And I'm going to continue to get made fun of because of this ridiculous pretentious and uppity crowd that just thinks that if you're not into what they're drinking at that exact moment you're lame nope sorry bro you're lame you'll realize it one day you're the lame one not me so i'm done with craft beer give me a light beer a gin and tonic uh vodka with some kind of fruit juice or whiskey on the rocks and i'll be happy and the last thing here before i go to the first break and get into the second segment of maybe i'm actually an adventist after all what yep coming up shortly I ran into this piece on Coldplay. Now, I'm, I'm on uh, the radio every day, and I have to come up with things to talk about that I think are interesting, and I get within 30 and 60 seconds to make my point. It's very, very difficult. I feel like I'm actually pretty good at it. I've been doing it for a long time, but it takes a few minutes to try to comb together what I'm going to do and where, how I'm going to do it because, seriously, I get no longer than a minute 20, and if I got a minute 20, a minute and a half, I better have something damn good. Like, I better have a guest or some kind of topic or idea or thought that is so funny or so interesting or or otherwise, turn that mic off and get back to the song, bro, because that's how this works. So I usually only get about 60 seconds. And so I'm jumping around, and for years, I thought Coldplay was awful. I thought they were the lamest, stupidest band. Just just like these 
craft beer pretentious types do with, oh, man, that's just stupid. You don't even know what you're talking about, man. You're just saying that that sucks because you read it or you heard about it or, you know, somebody who you think's cool said it once. It's the same concept. I'm, I'm guilty of it as much as anybody. And I ran in, into this. I'm going to read it to you real quick. It's from a, a girl named Rebecca Reed from, what was this, from metro.co.uk. So it is from uh, England. And I am a fan of, uh, of, of English writing, music, and everything else. I'm just kind of fascinated with, with European culture. So the headline of this opinion piece is, I'm tired of hiding the truth. I like Coldplay, and I'm not ashamed. You see, ladies and gentlemen, today I was caught listening to Coldplay. I listen to Coldplay at work because if I listen to Coldplay at home, my husband starts shouting about granola munching bedwetters and threatens to leave me. I love Coldplay, which isn't exactly an on-brand admission. Thing is, there are some slightly cool things about me. I used to hang out at fetish clubs all the time. There's a massive box of sex toys under my bed, and famous people have offered me cocaine before. But the truth is, I'm about as edgy as a tangerine, and I bloody love the gentle tones of Chris Martin. Okay, so Coldplay's not that cool. If they were a color, they'd be a nice gentle beige. If they were a condiment, they'd be mayonnaise. But that doesn't make them bad. As someone who spent lots of their life doing mad things and writing about them, I like a bit of vanilla. Beige may not be exciting, but you know what? It's comfortable and safe. And it goes with everything. You know what you're getting with Coldplay. A nice, slightly melancholy bit of music that you can have on in the background or turn on for a decent whack of nostalgia. They also do lots of work for over 30 charities and are, according to everyone I know who's met them, very nice guys. They've collaborated with people like Beyonce and Rihanna, and they've sold over 93 million records. You want to know why? Because I'm not the only one who likes a bit of beige. Lovely, safe, comforting beige. So I suggest that everyone goes home tonight, orders a korma, enjoys a glass of slightly discounted wine, listens to Coldplay, and gets a mediumly early night. It may not be cool or sexy or Insta-worthy, but you know what? It'll be really bloody nice. And that's Rebecca Reed from Metro.co.uk. And I just, I, that hit me like a ton of bricks because I was like, I was the same way that I'm sure she didn't get into but was talking and thinking about. This band is lame because why? Because everybody says they are. And that's not a reason to dislike something. And that's exactly what I used to do. And I used to do it with people, and I used to do it with bands, and I used to do it with movies and different kinds of cultures. And uh, and, and any just insert it here, I would just dislike it because, I, I don't know, that's just what I was supposed to do. Because it's not cool. So, anyway, Coldplay's great. And uh, I really like that piece. Coming up next, I had a conversation with somebody. I'll tell you who that person is. All day, afternoon, and into the night, and it was one of the more enjoyable nights and days I've had in a long time and one of the more eye-opening conversations I've ever had. And it's frustrating that I can't really explain it to you why other than in layman's terms, which I will do next. This is the Stone On Air podcast. This is a weekly dose for April 26, 2018, and I will be right back. Stone on.
on air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At philandonair.com. Come on, Lois. I think we're wasting our time here. They're obviously very committed to their beliefs. But their beliefs are crazy, Brian. I don't know who's crazier. These people are those Seventh-day Adventists. I'm a Methodist. We believe that the Lord is our Savior, and we remember Him by going to church and praising Him every Sunday. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. We believe all the same things that you believe, but we go to church on Saturdays. What? This is a band called Mainland. The song is called I Found God. It's in the playlist over at Alt 98.7. What we would consider a quote-unquote new music discovery here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Appreciate you guys finding the podcast for April 26, 2018. The Weekly Dose. Now this isn't a segment about me talking about finding God, but I just thought this song worked. As Forrest Gump would say, I didn't know I was looking for him. And that's not what this segment's about. This segment is more about kind of an extension of other segments I've done where I've talked about how stupid and just uninformed and unintelligent the average American is, and I'm putting myself in that same boat. I'm talking about most every one of us walking around. We ain't all that smart. We might have an incredible brain capacity, but a lot of us aren't using it, depending on which topic you're talking about or which subject matter you got. And that was very evident to me when I went to the uh, I almost said Falcons, the Atlanta United game a couple weeks ago with a good friend of mine, local author makes a living selling books entrepreneurial type it's more than just that and I won't bore you with all of that, but his name is Ernie Dempsey Ernest Dempsey to the author community and um, I've known Ernie I've known of Ernie for over 20 years, for approaching 22, 23 years. It was just just one of those weird situations where you know somebody when you're young and because of of stupid, petty kid stuff, egos, and all that typical stuff that comes around with being a kid and into your uh, late teens and then into your 20s and then to your, you know, maybe I probably didn't even get to the early 30s. It was about that time that I kind of hooked back up with him um, about four or five years ago. But he didn't really like me all that much and I didn't really like him all that much. Now, we didn't know each other really at all. It goes back to that whole Coldplay sucks thing. No, they don't. You suck, <laughs> right? That guy's dumb. No, he's not. You're dumb. And so we went to uh, to this game, and I don't know why he invited me all that much other than, I mean, I, we had talked about going to an Atlanta United game. He's a season ticket holder. And um, I, was in Bo- I was in D.C. when uh, he texted me, hey, man, I was wanting to see if you want to go to this game this weekend. And it was on a Sunday, and it was on the ninth day of my nine days off. And 
just exhausted from how much was going on. And I was like, man, I don't know. I'm talking to myself at this point. I don't know if I want to do this. This is going to be a, you know, I'm going to be a drag going into work on Mondays. One of those, I need a vacation from my vacation kind of deals. But after he spelled it out, you know, all you got to do is show up, get in my car and I'm taking you to the game and you are going to enjoy it. Well, it's pretty difficult to turn that kind of thing down. And it was, he was true to his word. We got in the car. He had a 20-piece, a 20-piece from Champy's Chicken, for crying out loud. We met a couple of his friends down in Atlanta as uh, his uh, regular parking spot. And a bottle of whiskey and a cooler full of craft beer, which he doesn't know what I do or don't drink. And I was like, well, I don't need any of that. But I'll drink that whiskey and uh, eat your chicken and some potato salad and everything you needed for a mini tail. It wasn't a big tailgate, but it was a great, great just couple hours before the game. Then went to the game chit-chatted about soccer most of the time there and then drove home so and stayed we didn't we didn't blow it out or drink all day it was just stuff to sip on and just kind of uh you know just to kind of have uh as a little bit of a party favor if you will so we spend the whole two hours there talking the whole two hours in the parking lot at their little mini tailgate talking the whole two hours of game talking and then the whole drive home two more hours talking that's a long damn time that's a long damn time so you have to really enjoy your company to have that long of a conversation that flows that well for that long. Started at 1 p.m. and ended at about 1130 at night and council fired out in East Brainerd. And um, I knew he was an intelligent guy and a well-educated guy, but I didn't know how much on a different level he was than me. Now, he gives me more credit than I deserve. Oh, no, no, stop it. You're, you're, no, 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 no. I have a brain that works functionally. I just don't use it worth a damn. There's a difference. I spent 20 years of not taking advantage of my genetic makeup. So we're talking about everything. Just just insert something here. Sports, ideology, race. Uh, inst- literally, insert anything here. And we probably touched on it. And one of the things we went down was religion. Now, my family, both sides, are all Seventh-day Adventist. That's the reason we're in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Was because my dad was sent to Southern by his grand, my, my grandparents, his parents, in the I don't know whatever it was, seventies I guess, and he uh, and he found out about this city that was on the verge of potentially being something in the next twenty years. Well, he was right; they were right; the trades were right, and that's why he knew about this place, and that's why he came back. But he hated Seventh Day Adventism. So I don't even know what it's called, but he he hated the the practice of the religion. Now, he's a religious man. So is my mom. Neither of them were into this at all. They did not like this religion at all. I don't know why. Never had a real conversation about it. And so growing up in this area, what is basically the capital of the of the of the religion is Collegedale and and CA as a as a as a the school leading up to Southern and Spalding CA and 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 Southern, I knew I lived in College Dale when I was a kid. I've lived in Ottawa and all around College Dale. I know lots of people from there. I know lots, lots of Seventh Day Adventists. We're all our neighbors. And to me, at the time, it sounded pretty nuts. Like this is crazy. But that's because that's what I just kept getting told. I just kept hearing all my life that Seventh Day Adventists are crazy. Like this is so nuts. Like how could you believe such a ridiculously stupid idea? When as I got older. I never really cared about any of it. I thought, you know, they're not, they're crazy, sure, but so are all the rest of you. Like, I don't know what I'm, what, what to believe at this point. 
And so when I bring that all the way back about talking about how stupid some of us can be, I fall into the same category on this as I get mad at others. I've spent my whole life formulating an opinion about something that I knew absolutely nothing about. Absolutely nothing about. That being the practice of the religion of Seventh-day Adventists. I don't know anything about it. But yet I've spent my entire adult life saying how ridiculous it is and making jokes about it because it's a little bit funnier here when you're right in their backyard. So anyway, back to hanging out with Ernie for the day. So we do start talking about religion, and I I love, I love any subject matter when you have two people who are engaged and at least one of them has at least a very educated angle or a very experienced angle to the conversation, which Ernie has both. And he proceeded to tell me all about Seventh-day Adventism, again, I don't know if that's the way you say it, but SDAs and how it works and what they believe in. And the more I heard it, the more I thought two things. One is, of anything I've ever heard in the religious community, this absolutely makes the most sense. That's the first takeaway layman's thought. The second was, this is so in-depth and so deep and makes so much sense that I cannot regurgitate it if I tried. I could not pass this off as a original thought. I could not pass this off as a, here's what Ernie exactly told me. It was too in-depth. It was too detail-oriented for me to be able to ever tell you what he told me. But my brain is capable of processing this information as it goes in. It doesn't come out through my mouth and through the, you know, the from the neurons bouncing around to, 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 to formulate in a thought and an opinion and a conversation, I can't regurgitate it, but I understood it going in. And I got back from that conversation and I, I, I text my brother who we all have the same thoughts on all this because we grew up in the same family and around the same people. And I said, you know what? Serious talk. If I were to ever start practicing religion, I'm almost certain it would be, I would be a seventh day Adventist. I am not joking. And I'm paraphrasing all this. He sent me a text back immediately almost. And he doesn't quickly respond usually. He's kind of a slow getting around. He's not a conversationalist via text. And he said, that is probably one of the top five most insane text messages I would have ever thought to get. And we went back and forth a little bit. And I said, I'm dead serious, man. What they believe makes more sense to me than anything I've ever been told by anybody else. And part of the problem is, is I haven't been told any in-depth, real religious practices by anybody who actually knows what they're, what they're trying to say they believe in. There might be an even better practice of religion out there that I haven't had that conversation with yet. And I said, this makes the most sense I've ever heard. Now, I'm not telling you that I'm now a Seventh-day Adventist. I'm just saying it makes way more sense than I ever gave it, gave it credit for. And I feel bad and I'm mad at myself that I have spent an entire adult portion and child portion of my life with no understanding of this religious teaching and acting like it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of just because that's what I was always told. And that's what I was always led to believe. And that, as I've said over and over again, is dangerous And I am mad at myself, and it makes me one of the biggest hypocrites out there. And since I've got back in town from that, I have done light reading, meaning like Wikipedia style, stuff on SDAs. And it is 
It's it's pure in the sense that it is a real interpretation of what the scripture says and what the Bible says. And and my my brother texted said kind of flippantly said, oh, "Well, I hope you kept good notes." And I text back, "Serious talk once again. The notes are in the Bible. They actually take the scripture very much literal when most religions cherry pick the portions of the scripture that they want." So, I mean, is it real? Is it right? Is it the way you should do things? I don't know, but it's the most authentic way that I've heard. And you know me and authenticity. I'm a big fan of it. Um, One of the big takeaways that I can kind of regurgitate is that they don't believe in heaven and hell like the average Christian does, which was the first thing that grabbed my attention. And I'll get away from this topic here soon. I don't want anybody getting, you know, feeling awkward or whatever, but I mean, studying Bible history and and religious history is something I probably should do a lot more of. But they don't believe in you die, you go to heaven, you die, you go to hell, depending on whether you're saved or whether you believe or whatever. They don't believe any of that. There is no hell and there is no actual heaven. There is just when when God comes or Jesus comes back, then you now live in some kind of sinless... Uh, I don't know, what do you call it? A purgatory kind of thing? I don't, I don't even know. Again, I can't I can't tell you what it is that he said. And then I don't know if everybody who doesn't believe dies or something, or your soul just dies off. I don't I don't really know. All I know is it is it's not the fairy tale of, you know, harps and harpoons and clouds and angels and fire and brimstone and devils. They don't believe in any of that. And so really, you kind of got me there. As soon as you go that route, you've already got my attention. When the first thing you tell me is they don't believe in the traditional Christian in heaven and hell, you got me. I'm all ears. Bring it on. Let's do this as long as you want. Tell me more. I'm interested. So all that was, bring all that up, was the point was to say that it was enlightening to hear some real fact-based, experience-based conversation about a religion from a a guy who grew up in a prominent seventh-day adventist family in collegedale a guy who has i think a psychiatry or psychology degree uh basically a behavioral scientist almost it was a really 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 great conversation and it made me realize that there's a lot more to this than just dumb jokes and cartoons and paintings and pictures and finger painting and sunday school and sabbath school and all these other things there's actual real information you can go out there and learn. And uh, it also makes me realize that, man, I am so stupid compared to a guy like this. And it didn't have to be that way. I could be, uh, you know, an academic scholar, too, if I wanted to. I just chose not to. And now I'm stuck in the rut of life. And I got a brain that works enough to get around and have fun on the weekends and treat people well and record a podcast. I guess that's good enough. But I'm telling you guys, look at things in the religious world a little bit closer I've said it a hundred times if you were born in the Middle East you'd be a Muslim if you were born in uh, you know India you'd be a Buddhist if you were born in the Northeast or in Ireland or some certain areas of the world you'd be a Catholic if you if you were born in America you're a Christian if you were born you want you don't choose what you are you just become it's be learned behavior. It doesn't mean what you what you practice is actually absolutely what you should believe. And maybe it is. Maybe it is. But maybe it isn't. Once again, this band is called Mainland, and the song is called 
I Found God, one of the songs from the new music discoveries, as we call them, from Alt 98.7. I appreciate you guys checking in with the show each and every week. My name is Brian Stone. Coming up next, Fake Outrage. Another case of it. And why are we all so damn mad? I'll get to that coming up next. Condobolu is a comedian, writer, filmmaker, and Simpsons fan. But he has one big problem with the show. Apu, a cartoon character voiced by Hank Azaria, a white guy. Apu is the beloved clerk behind the counter of the Springfield Quickie Mart. But for Hari, this convenience store owner from India, with eight children and an arranged marriage, is more than just a stereotype. He was the only figure that we had as South Asian Americans. It was like Gandhi and Apu, and eventually Gandhi, Apu, terrorist. And as I say, my eyes have been opened. And I think the most important thing is we have to listen to South Asian people, Indian people in this country, when they talk about what they feel and, and, and how they think about, about this character and what their American experience of it has been. And as you know, in television terms, listening to voices means inclusion in the writer's room. I really want to see Indian, South Asian writer, writers in the room, not in a token way, but genuinely informing whatever new direction this character may take, including how it is voiced or not voiced. You know, I'm perfectly willing and happy to step aside or help transition it into something new. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. People are indeed strange. When you're unwanted, people are assholes. People are liars. People have trouble with their self-control. People have trouble with their self-awareness. So I see this, I guess it happened last week, Hank Azaria, who's just an absolute gem. I mean, the guy is so good at everything he does. He does 20 to 30 different characters on The Simpsons. He does Mo. He does... uh, the cop, I can't remember his name, and a bunch of others, and then Apu, the Indian or South wherever, Asian or whatever it is, Quickie Mart owner who, yes, plays the stereotypes, as does that entire show to everything they do. Um, I'm, I, I guess because South Park creators uh matt and trey are just so over the top on everything nobody ever goes after them but i'd love to be in a position to be a creator of some kind of content that was um in such high regard and so legacy building that i could someone say hey yeah that apu thing is uh, offensive and i'd say you know what f you just won't you just go jump off a bridge punk um 
And I understand the sensitivities to race and different cultures, and I'm one of the good guys, so don't get mad at me. I'm on the side of this a lot of the times when this becomes a, a thing, when it's real. This isn't real. This is more, more, and more fake outrage. A comedian who maybe truly, truly, truly doesn't overly like it. I get it. I don't know the guy's name. Uh, Hari Kondaba or something or other, um, who put out this. Here, I'll read it from CNN here. It's uh, comedian Harry Hari Conda um documentary. Was it offensive for me to jokingly, flippantly say his last name? Uh, a documentary called The Problem with Apu debuted last November and looked at the character as a negative, stereotypical representation of South Asians. And is is it a is it a stereotypical kind of look? Of course it is. Of course it is, and it's been going on for 25 years, and I get it just because there is no statute on things like that, maybe at times, but this is the same show when it came out that Americans had fake outrage because Bart Simpson, there was one of the shirts were, I'm Bart Simpson, who the hell are you? Y'all remember that one? Remember remember Udawa Kids when we were trying to wear the, who could have the coolest Bart Simpson shirt? And the one that got people into trouble the most, hi, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? Caused all kinds of fake-ass outrage. Can you, can you, if you're a younger listener, I don't know the age range of my listeners. If you can remember that, or can you fathom if you can't, 1991, 92, 93, and there being an uproar over the way Bart Simpson acted? Are you kidding me? You You guys remember this? This is the, the fake outrage then was that. And now the fake outrage is, oh, well, the, the Quickie Mart, the 7-Eleven uh, spoof owner is an Indian who is kind of a goof, just like Homer is a goof as a dad. And Barf, Bart is a goof as a kid. And, and Marge is a goof as a mom. And Flanders is a goof as a Christian. Yeah, I mean, what the hell is going on here? And who cares what this stupid asshole comedian has to say or what documentary he wants to make? And shame on Hank Azaria for backing down and basically apologizing without saying the words, I am sorry. This is, you, if you're doing something that you think, that you think is funny and creative and worthwhile for 20 some odd years, and there's only a tiny little corner of fake people barking about it, stand up. I know he's a, probably a heavy, super social justice warrior-leaning lefty. Stand up and say, no, there's nothing wrong with this character. There's nothing wrong with this show. It's one of the most legendary television programs in the history of television. No, I'm not changing the character. I'm not going to stop doing the character. I'm not going to aid in helping figure out a new direction for the character. You don't have to come out and be so forceful about it. But don't don't do everything but exactly say the words, I am sorry. And I love Hank Azaria and the work he's done, but it's just stupid. Just plain dumb. Numb nuts all over the place. Just because some guy of the same descent of the character that they're poking fun at has a little bit of a, of a platform and has a handful of young people that's retweeting him, and liking his post, now all of a sudden we have to have late night talk shows host talking about it, and uh, Bill Maher has to do a whole segment on it. Just, it's not real. It's more fake outrage. And it is outrageous to me. And that's not fake. I am not making up emotions on this. It's ridiculous. I, you know, you know I, I bitch about the white man all the time. 
The white man is one of the worst guys out there in certain situations. This is not one of them. And for the next couple things I'm going to read here that I printed off earlier, I don't have any actual attribution because when I print these things off, it doesn't have the websites in the top and the bottom of them. And so I apologize for that. But these are things I'm reading from people who are writing stories and interviewing interviewing psychiatrists. One of them here that I'm going to start with is by Jennifer Graham. Again, I don't know what organization she's with. So the question is, as I got to thinking about it, and I just did a Google search, why are we so pissed off? Why are we so angry? Why are we so mad? And these are a few of the things that popped up. Why is everyone so angry and how can we change that? In a survey conducted by Esquire and NBC News last year, roughly half of Americans said that they're angrier than they used to be. And nearly 7 out of 10 said that they're angered by something in the news at least once a day. The National Institutes of Health say that more than 16 million Americans have a condition called intermittent explosive disorder in which people get angry out of proportion with the circumstance. Why we get angry. Anger begins with a threat, real or imagined, that is detected by a part of the brain called the amygdala. Only about a half inch long, the amygdala is on high alert even when we're busy or distracted. And it's so sensitive that even a picture of a person frowning can set off a chain reaction designed to protect us and our families from harm. Adrenaline, cortisol, and testosterone flood the body giving us energy and focus and fueling aggression. Blood races through the body. Our breathing grows shallow and fast, and our heart pounds, preparing us for a fight. Even our facial expressions, narrowed eyes, and a scowl warn other people to back off. The real question is, and and, and is worded in what I just read, the threat of danger or the threat of anger, real or imagined. How is it that we have such a problem with distinguishing what is something that matters and something that doesn't this is from another piece again don't have the name why is everyone so angry all the time why is the world so pissed off anger used to be channeled in far more constructive and beneficial ways if you were upset or angry you would stop think and formulate your position and opposition to an idea and this is talking about primitive more primitive times whether it be 50 years ago or 150 years ago So because of the time and effort it took to air our opinions, we only cared about things that actually mattered. Now groups are formed on social media just to fight a cafe that has the audacity not to offer its customers a gluten-free menu. A like button doesn't validate an argument or give any position on anything. Social media has actually seen us lose our social connections. This is a conversation with somebody from uh, Macquarie University. Dr. Justine Lloyd points out that what's changed is the technology has taken away the filter of our outrage. So all the stupid and petty stuff we used to just get over is able to get out there immediately. The vast majority of people are still kind-hearted, courteous, and honest most of the time. Yet when pointed out this torrent of abuse and pure hatred on social media... The doctor delivered that classic academic answer. Well, that's different. She goes on to explain that as a species, since our hunter and gatherer roots, we've evolved into a pack society of collective cooperation. Yet in today's technological age, we no longer need to hunt together. So we have evolved again into a culture of manners that causes us to be 
overly polite in person, like when you accidentally bump into someone in the street or let them go through a doorway first. However, when we think no one can see us, a primal urge to be a complete and utter jackass returns. And so that's just a few things that I grabbed that I thought were pretty interesting. I wanted to read those, those pieces went for five, six, seven pages and went into much more depth of the human condition, uh, behavioral science and all those kinds of things that are pretty fascinating to, to, to take a look at. So if you want to read any of those things, just go to Google and put in, why are we so mad? And you'll get everything I just read plus thousands of pages more. And it, it's, it's that simple. Once upon a time, we would get mad about something, have a cool-off period and say, ah, well, you know what, it's really not that big a deal anyway, right? Now, we get mad about something and immediately start bashing on social media. I just did it earlier when I was watching the Braves game. I like to live tweet during the game occasionally. There was a replay at home, and I, I hate some of the direction that the replay goes. And I'm like, see, I told you, this isn't what replay is for. This is ridiculous. Had I not had that opportunity, I would have just been like, that's so stupid. Man, I hate this. Anyway, what's that over there? What are we doing? What's going on later on? I got to get started on this podcast, you know? Like, it wouldn't be anything because it doesn't matter. So when I say fake outrage, sometimes it's, it is true outrage. It just comes from a fabricated kind of belief that everything has to be the way you want it. And if you don't get your way, you're going to stomp around like a little child and scream about it to anybody who will listen. It's not that important. It's not a big deal. And having the Apu character on The Simpsons for 25 years was no big deal. And now all of a sudden, it's still not. It's still not a big deal. And fake outrage is one again. You can have fake news. I said it the other week, and I'm I, fake news doesn't mean shit. Come on, man. I've said this a hundred times. The National Enquirer has been around since 1926. Propaganda, fake news, and manipulative information ain't new, bro. I don't know where everybody's been, but it's always been there. It's just how you choose to decipher that information and how you choose to react to that information is where we've gotten into the fake outrage portion of the world in our current climate. And fake outrage is somewhat new because of the technology and the capacity in which we have to express this supposed outrage. You know, the whole type out an email, sit on it till morning, and then decide whether to send it. Well, we need to do that with everything in our life. Type out a text and wait on it for a little while. Compose a tweet or a Facebook page and, and hit pause until tomorrow afternoon. Now, nobody has the self-control to do that, but that's the difference. That's the difference, and that's where all this fake outrage comes from. Yeah, the dude, who comedian who thinks that it's a bad look for the Apu character probably truly believes it. But he sparked a whole legion of numbnuts that are now, quote-unquote, enraged. And they're really not. At the end of the day, they don't care for one damn second about the Quickie Mart Apu character on The Simpsons. They just don't. They're not worried about it. They just feel like being falsely pissed off about it today. And the more you react to it and the more attention you, cre- you create to it, like Hank Azaria going on Colbert and saying that he's basically sorry... You're just feeding in to that, and it makes it even more toxic and more poisonous and more potential that some other asshole is going to do the same thing. And that's all I got for right now. I appreciate you guys finding the show. I'm going to get on out and enjoy the rest of my April. April, 
It's coming gone. We're into May. Shaky knees coming up next week, and I'll have a show before then. Might talk about some past shaky knees uh, times. Don't have any great stories, but might still do that a little bit. I don't know. Figure it out between now and next week. And on my way out the door, as this is uh, Noel Gallagher, Riverman, I've been listening to some records over the last couple days, and this was a record I was listening to last night. I just want to say that she used to listen all the time. I don't know if she still does, but the friend that was a girl that is still a friend and still a girl, but not my friend that was a girl like she was, and she hasn't been for a while since sometime last year, and that's fine, and I'm, I'm okay with it. But I met her one year ago this week, and I am very glad that that day happened and glad that I met her. I just thought that that was worth mentioning, and I know it's a little cryptic, and I apologize. But if she is listening, I totally miss you. Find me the girl who electrified the stars. In a little while, she will be gone. That's all I got. See you later. Bye.